as you know, Winnipeg is a sports city and it is in the heart of our country. There is no doubt the Winnipeg Jets are in the hearts of Winnipeggers. And hockey is really a, a big part of who we are as a community. Uh, Winnipeg does a lot of great things as a community. And now as a community, let's get behind our Jets and cheer on them together. I also want to encourage everyone, everyone in our community and everyone from coast to coast to coast where there are Jets fans to join me in wearing your Jets gear on game days to work, to study, to the office, and of course, uh, for those of us that are coming to this whiteout or to the game, uh, to those events. Riding the wave that, uh, of that Winnipeg whiteout, uh, we're ready for other Canadian hockey fans to join us and show why we're Canada's team going into the playoffs. Uh, I know our family is buzzing with excitement, and I know that's shared in homes uh, from every corner of our city, and we're really looking forward to this ferocious storm and this whiteout. We will, we will you. Oh, yes, we will rock you. Wild. We will rock you. Are you fired up? Are you excited? That, of course, was Mayor Brian Bowman from the other day when they announced the uh, Whiteout Street Party. That's going to be a lot of fun. If you are not going to be at the game, you can be right next door. You can be right there on Donald between Portage and Graham enjoying it all. Big screen TVs. You can have a Jets dog. Take your uh, lawn chair. Weather's going to be, okay, around zero, right around zero at game time. And uh, it looks like that snow, we were talking to my weather expert buddy Bruce Johnson yesterday about the snow. Not that much here in Winnipeg, maybe a centimeter or two. And it looks like it will fall pretty much after the game is done, after the Jets win tonight. So that's good news. We have lots coming up on the show today. Obviously, we will talk a bit of hockey, a little bit of hockey on the show today. It is also World Parkinson's Disease Day today. And uh, Larry Gifford, who is the program director at our sister station, CKNW in Vancouver, and uh, he sort of helps other stations along the course radio network, including this one, with uh, uh, different things. And Larry's a great guy. And uh, he was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's, and they did a, a documentary on it. And I want to play a bit of that on this World Parkinson's Disease Day. By the way, if you're wondering what else today is, today is also Barbershop Quartet Day. It's 8-Track Tape Day, International Louie Louie Day, Bookmobile Day, Pet Day, Submarine Day, and Teach Children to Save Day today. We'll talk a bit about the 8-Track Tape a little later on, by the way, on this 8-Track Tape Day. And we'll run down today in history, some good celebrity birthdays today. Great song tied into the celebrity birthdays today. So that is coming up. Also, after Global News at 1.30, that uh, bit of that Larry Gifford documentary, I want to play actually after our first break here in about seven or eight minutes. After Global News at 1.30, after TFJ brings you the news at 1.30, we're going to talk to Nancy Bonney. She is the coordinator of the Manitoba Anaphylaxis Information Network. 
because they are looking at EPC, Executive Policy Committee. They are looking at uh, making uh, it a scent-free workplace for city workers. And Nancy knows all about that, so we'll talk to Nancy. She's written a letter of support, in fact, to EPC about this. We'll talk to Nancy after Global News at 1.30. Tough trivia today. We'll do it at about 1.45, quarter to 2. 1.45, quarter to 2, we're doing tough trivia. That is when you can call in, get the uh, trivia question correct, and you will win Santa Lucia pizza. After Global News at 2 o'clock, Angie Gill from playnow.com will join us. And uh, apparently a lot of Winnipeggers are betting on the Jets. Go figure. What a surprise, eh? We'll talk to her about that. 2.15, we'll continue the hockey talk. Chris King, Dave Ellett, both on with Mackling and McGarry this morning. I want to play a couple of clips. If you missed it, Chris King and Dave Ellett, a couple of former great Jets, on with M&M this morning. After Global News at 2.30, Lauren McNabb, Global News television anchor, Lauren McNabb. She will be talking to, and by that time, by uh, just after 2.30, she will have talked to them. But she's going to be talking to Jets fans who dress up as Muppets as we continue to have some fun here on uh, game day. The first game of the playoffs 2018 for our Winnipeg Jets. And at about 2.45, we bumped him yesterday. We'll get him in today. Dwayne Wasinski, president of Dodgeball Canada, the National Dodgeball Tryout and Tourney is this weekend at the Duckworth Centre here in Winnipeg. Got to talk some American politics as well. And we'll do that in the 3 o'clock hour after the news at 3 o'clock, okay? Just some of what's coming up and all kinds of other stuff. You know me, I've also got uh, lots of little uh, odds and ends that we'll jam in and ram in wherever we can. One ten, ten after one, quick, uh, quick break, and we're going to be back and talk about Parkinson's disease next. Yeah, sunny and two now, heading for that uh, high of three, so looks like we'll get there, and let's keep our fingers crossed. The official Environment Canada forecast says snow beginning early this evening. I'm hoping it holds off until after the game, and, of course, that's what my weather expert buddy Bruce Johnson said yesterday, so we'll see. Forecasting, that's just the way it is. You you just kind of hope. Hey, uh, before I play a bit of this documentary done on Larry Gifford, the program director at our sister station in Vancouver, CKNW, it is World Parkinson's Disease Day today, and Larry was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. Let me just uh, read a couple of uh, text messages here uh, quickly, okay? Uh, hey, Hal, it's Taylor. Mayor Bowman mentions that the city is excited in my uh, show open there, Mayor Bowman. He may want to expand that to the entire province is excited. Of course, Dylan. goes without saying. Just because it's called the Winnipeg Jets doesn't mean, you know, it, we get it. But, okay. He's the mayor of Winnipeg. That's why he said Winnipeg. He's not the premier of the province. But I get you, Dylan. All right? I got you. Uh, another one here. Hey, Hal, Amanda here. Could you let us know what streets are closed tonight? I have to drop a couple off at the game tonight coming from the north. Well, it's pretty simple. Basically, Donald is closed between Portage and Graham starting at around noon. And the festivities will start about 4.30 this afternoon. Food trucks, beer, uh, hot chocolate, and all that kind of stuff. Bring your lawn chair, two big screens. going to be a good time tonight. They're hoping, True North is hoping, Kevin Donnelly is hoping, uh, they'll see five to 10,000 people there between tonight 
and Friday night. All right, so basically, Amanda, all you got to worry about is Donald being closed between Portage and Graham. I mentioned it's eight-track player day. Bob out in Oakbank says, hey, Hal, uh, good afternoon. I had a 78 Buick Riviera with an eight-track player. Only had five tapes, Super Tramp, Poco, Rush, Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) Uh, Couldn't listen to all of them. Thank God for cassette tapes. You know what? I'll tell you a funny story, uh, Bob, and everybody else who cares about cassette tapes. I have a 1980 International Scout Shadow. It's like a really cool truck. The top came right off it for people too young to remember. But anyhow, I had this thing for, I don't know, a couple of years, and I was cleaning it one day, the dash, and the where the radio dial uh, is, the the it pushed in, and I went, oh, no, I broke it. No, it had an 8-track. It had an 8-track. So then I went on the radio one day and I said, hey, I need 8-tracks. My, I found out my 1980 International Scout Shadow has an 8-track player, and now I have boxes and boxes of 8-tracks that people have shared with me. So I hear you, Bob. I know all about the 8-track, and it was funny. You'd be listening to a song, and then it would just kind of fade, and it would go clunk, clunk, and then it would fade back up again right in the middle of a song. Ridiculous. Ridiculous when you think about it. But, yeah. So it's 8-track day today. We'll talk more about that later on. All right, now to World Parkinson's Disease Day today. Larry Gifford is the program director of the PD at CKNW Radio in Vancouver, and as I said, he kind of helps the other stations along the Chorus Radio Network. And Larry was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. And uh, there's, uh, I think, a 13 or 14-minute documentary that was done on Larry and his Parkinson's. I want to play a few minutes of that for you. Take a listen. Probably the first symptom that I started experiencing maybe seven or eight years ago was I had a a hitch in my giddy-up, as they say. There was something wrong with my walk. I couldn't figure out how to walk properly. So I'd clomp or I'd drag my foot, and my wife would go, would you pick up your feet? And I'm like, well, I'm trying. I go, maybe my shoes are too heavy. So I'd buy a lighter pair of shoes, and I'd still clomp. So then I'd buy a lighter pair of shoes, and I'd clomp again. So now I've got like four successive pairs of lighter shoes, and I'm going, okay, maybe it's not the shoes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just overweight, or maybe you make all these excuses. And then we'd be at parties or gatherings or even a dinner with friends, and... I wouldn't say much. I would I would observe and I'd absorb the conversation. But when it was my turn to talk, I was either I had nothing to say or I was three minutes behind the conversation. And then I guess I at some point lost my sense of smell. My handwriting has always been atrocious. It started getting smaller and smaller. So like I couldn't distinguish the scribbles. One day I reached over the couch to hand my son a glass of water. The water started spilling out of the cup because my arm was shaking so dramatically. And he's like, Dad, why, why is your arm shaking? I'm like, I don't know. I imagine this must make everyday objects that most people wouldn't consider to be anything of significance seem much more intimidating to you or intimidating to a person who has Parkinson's disease. I'm thinking about a cup of coffee that's filled to the brim 
Sure. Uh, trying to walk with a full cup of anything is a challenge because not only could you have tremors, your walking is also affected. So it's a, like a double thing. So you're, you got this weird walk and you've got this shaky arm and you don't really have balance like you once had. So you've lost your certainty. Uh, so yeah, it's really difficult. Steps. Going up steps is particularly harrowing. And that's really the biggest danger for Parkinson's patients is falling. It, once you fall, it really shatters your certainty. And so everything even slows down farther. Last fall, I was going to the bus stop and the bus was there. And, you know, when you see the bus and it's, at, it's pulling up to the stop and you're not quite there yet, you don't want them to drive away because you have to wait for another bus. I forgot for a moment that I have this disease that means my brain doesn't talk to my right side of my body as fast as it talks to the left side of my body. And so I started to run, which lasted about 0.4 seconds until I did a barrel roll and a face plant. And I got up and the bus stopped. <laughs> and the driver's like, are you okay? I'm bleeding from the knuckles. And yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I ripped my pants and I just kept going to work. I was pissed at myself, at the disease, at everything. Because it's a big realization, like, my life has changed forever. I, I can't run to the bus anymore. So I've been going to the newly diagnosed support group in downtown Vancouver every month. It's a lot of the same people every month, so you, you build relationships. And you're know, just trying to get a handle on it and come to grips with not just the disease, but how you live with the disease. Larry Gifford. Program director at CKNW Radio in Vancouver. And he is talking there about his Parkinson's. It is World Parkinson's Disease Day today. Texture is suggesting that cannabis is good for Parkinson's disease. Just ask Michael J. Fox. I'm kind of, I'll tell you what, that I think is maybe one of the things I'm most excited about marijuana, cannabis becoming legal, that maybe people that couldn't get it before or their doctor didn't want to prescribe it before for whatever illness it is they suffer with will now be able to uh, to get it and, uh, and use it. Back to the 8-track tapes for a minute. Scott just sent me a picture of a bunch of 8-tracks, and he says he's got a quadraphonic player and an 8-track recorder. I remember I, we had a recorder as well when I was a kid, but I don't know where that would be now. And Scott says, someday they will be worth what I paid for them. But hang on, Scott. I thought the same thing. I thought these things are basically worthless. You might have to pay somebody to take them off your hands. But oh, no, apparently not. Paul texted in, 204. 780-6868, and Paul says, Hal, some 8-track tapes have a very good antique value, some up to 700 bucks. And then Paul says, I think it's the Pink Floyd uh, that's worth that kind of money. Well, I'm going to go through my boxes of 8-tracks and see if I've got a Pink Floyd 8-track. Uh, now, that's what Paul says. I, I don't know if that's true, Paul. I take you at your word, but I don't know. I find it hard to believe that an 8-track, although maybe Pink Floyd, who knows, would be worth that kind of money. 
But anyhow, I got a bunch of them. Looks like Scott. I see one right in the middle of the picture Scott just sent me. He's got Valdi. Valdi on 8-track. There you go. Oh, if that's not a classic, right? That's worth money <laughs> right there. Absolutely. While we're talking about Parkinson's and disease and stuff, apparently people who sweat the small stuff more than one day are at a higher risk of chronic disease. Apparently, you really have to chill out. A new study done by the University of California in Irvine looked at more than 1,000 people who dwelled more than 24 hours on mundane stressors, and they discovered they had weaker immune systems and more heart problems 10 years later. Researcher Kate Ledger explains, Our research shows negative emotions that linger after even minor daily stressors have important implications for our long-term physical health. Accumulating findings suggest it is not just the big events, but minor everyday stressors that can impact our health as well. By contrast, those who could let it go and not sweat the small stuff did not experience the same health issues down the line. That story in the Daily Mail. I kind of believe that. I really do. My wife's on me all the time about that. She's like, stop stressing about you're going to make yourself sick. Hmm? There you go. Science has proven it. Research shows. So don't sweat the small stuff, all right? Don't worry. The Jets are in the playoffs. It's game day. There's nothing to get worked up about today. 126, we'll take a break. And then Tristan Field-Jones will have the 130 Global News for you. Hang on, it's Hal on CJOB. Thank you very much, TFJ. 132. We're going to talk about a scent-free workplace now. City spaces very soon could be scent-free environments. About a week ago, the city started looking at the idea. Winnipeg councillors on EPC, Executive Policy Committee, are meeting on the subject today. And if the motion passes, any scented shampoos, lotions, or perfumes would be prohibited. The matter would need to pass a full council vote April 26th before it became official. And joining us on the phone here now to talk about it is Nancy Bonney. She is the coordinator of the Manitoba Anaphylaxis Information Network. Nancy, thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Hal. So you wrote a letter of support. I'll just I'll read this, uh, this letter of, uh, or a bit of it here. Uh, Over the years, I have found that many individuals who are not affected by scents do not have a true picture of the discomfort or harm inflicted on those who have allergies or sensitivities to various scents. Often, those who do not react, uh, react to scents have the impression that the adverse effects are minimal. A common misconception is that exposure to scents causes a short-term reaction, and once an individual is no longer exposed, the effects diminish. Most do not understand the longer-term implications of exposures to scents that can range from extended, extended periods of discomfort to serious threats to a person's overall health. And I think you're dead on. I, I did not realize that this was that big a deal. And I think a lot of people go, ah, oh, come on, what's the big deal? You know, yeah, you don't like the smell and, you know, the person leaves the room and, and you're fine. But for some people, this is a big deal, Nancy. Tell us about that. 
Well, exactly. It is a big deal. And I think the difficulty is that, um, in my experience, um, most of my work over the years has been with um, dealing with children who have life-threatening allergies to foods. And the difficulty in that was, especially in the early years, was always that, um, you know, people who are not affected by the the uh, illness or the sensitivity or the allergy or the asthma don't truly understand the implications. And it's very difficult sometimes. Um, often when when you're dealing with communities or, or workplaces, you're asking people to change something that... Uh, they do in their daily lives, and this can be this is where the challenge often comes in um, and if if people don 't understand, they often are are adverse to making the change. so the first step always is in educating people, and then you know once they 're educated it 's more likely that they are going to um, you know to respond and respect the wishes or needs of someone who has a health condition that is affected by their environment. Um, However, there's always those who are not able to be empathetic. And for this reason, I think it's really important to have policies in place that ensure that there is a course of action for one to ensure that the environment that they're in is a, a healthy and safe workplace. Yeah, because some people will blow this off and go, ah, oh, no big deal. And then that's where there needs to be a policy and there needs uh, needs to be some sort of process when it happens. So if it's, you know, at the city, uh, whatever uh, it would be, but it, it, it can't. And we do have to keep in mind, maybe it's one person or two people. But talk a bit about the impact on those few people. How bad can it be? I know you deal mostly with, with food and that sort of thing, but... I'm sure it's similar in the sense, in the sense, uh, with, with sense. Tell us about how bad it can be for somebody who has a real sensitivity to sense. Well, I, I do know I can give you an, an analogy to um, the peanut allergy, and that's one that I've had personal experience. And and uh, when when a you see a young child that has a very very tiny amount of peanuts like and I'm talking a very minuscule amount and it gets into their you know they ingest it or even in situations if a child had a tiny amount on their finger and lo and behold we don't want our children to be doing this but stuck it in their nose they could have a severe life-threatening reaction to that so ingestion doesn't always mean eating so for people that have scent allergies or, or sense in sensitivities, um, when you're smelling it, that means it's also being, it's, it's getting inside your body. So they can, in fact, have a very, very serious uh, reaction, especially those who already, already have health conditions such as asthma or, or bronchitis. It can truly affect them in, in a very serious way. Um, so the, the range can be from minimal discomfort to very severe uh, reactions. And uh, so I think that's why it's, it's so important. People don't always understand that, that piece of it. Um, I've had um, recently, I've had um, contact regarding a person that has been suffering in the workplace due to very, these very extreme reactions to scents. And it's, it's been a very difficult situation for this person. 
since the uh, co-workers have not been respecting the repeated requests to refrain from wearing a you know perfume at the work, so the attempts by this employee that's being affected um, to gain support from her, em- her the employee has resulted in the co-workers actually bullying by increasing the amount of the triggers in the environment. And that's, that's just one example of why it's so important to have a workplace um, policy that, so that there is a course of action that, that somebody can take in, in those kinds of situations. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of the old line, why can't we all just get along, right? If somebody was to say to me, exactly. hey, that, that scent you have, it really affects me, and you're right. Education has to be a big part of it, right? Obviously, Nancy. Absolutely, absolutely. When you're asking communities or groups to change something, they need to be. And I have very, very personal experience. You know, sending my my very young child with with severe, severe life threatening allergies to school, and and realizing very quickly that you really need to educate. And uh, and then once you educate, that's when you can, you know, ask people to provide the support that you needed to be safe and and healthy. I appreciate your help with, you know, trying to understand this a bit better, Nancy. You were telling me, though, that as the coordinator of the Manitoba Anaphylaxis Information Network, I'm going to have problems with that that word all the time. That's okay. Uh, Most people don't don't know how to spell it or say it. So I'll I'll just call it Maine from now on, okay? Uh, So uh, you were telling me, though, as coordinator of Maine, your workload has really dropped off because uh, medical officials in the province of Manitoba are doing a really good job in your area. Talk a bit about that. It's a it's a success story. It really is. Yes, um, I have been in this for involved in this. I have a, a daughter that's um, uh, 29 years old now and has had very severe life threatening allergies since she was a baby, and uh, became very involved over 20 years ago uh, when she was entering school. And at that time, there was very, very little resources available. So myself and and another um, few other individuals had uh, started a support, a volunteer support network to bring together the resources and offer support to people following behind us who were dealing with the same uh, issues and challenges of managing your day-to-day life when you have someone that is so allergic to foods and, and other environmental um, products. Um, so um, over the years, you know, it was it was a fair amount of work and a, it was quite a, a commitment to um, provide resources. But more recently over the years, we've had um, very good support and we have a number of, of wonderful programs. We have our um, local affiliated with the Health Sciences Centre, the Children's Allergy and Asthma Education Centre, and they have amazing programs for for all ranges, particularly children's. They have um, for parents of children, and then they have um, programs, education programs for where you bring the child as well, um, young children. And then they also have teen programs to help people um, to understand how to manage their uh, conditions on a daily basis. So we have um, very wonderful people working and, and developing the programs. And uh, so for that reason, we just, that and, and also the um, 
vast amount of resources now available through the internet, um, we really don't have as much a demand. However, I, I've always um, remained open to having people contacting me. I'm always quite happy to help people who are, are looking for resources or needing some support. Do, do we have more sensitivities now, or are we just more knowledgeable about what they are? It seems like we're becoming more and more sensitive to more and more things. Definitely in the uh, food allergy field, I'm more versed in that because that's been my specialty area. Yeah. There's definitely growing numbers. I mean, when, when I started, um, I worked with my division um, when my daughter was in the early years um, and worked with a nurse educator who was um, given the task of developing some policies and programs in in the school division and when we started out working together there was probably oh one or two children in each school and within a few years it went from um, you know, 30 children to hundreds. It was like they were coming out of the woodwork. So definitely part of it is that, um, you know, there was more awareness about it, but also if, you know, and I don't have any statistics in front of me, but there are growing numbers of children being affected by these allergies. And also more and more we're finding um, more often adult onset of, of um, food allergies and other uh, types of allergies. And do we know well. why? Is there any, re- I'm sure there's research on this. Are you aware of, of why this is uh, seems to be happening? Um, there's a variety of different thoughts on that, although I, I'm not sure that anything has really, you know, been proven. There's mm. uh, definitely one very interesting hy- hypothesis theory saying that um, our our immune systems are responding to the lack of being um, in environments where we have certain um, bacterias and different environmental um, just things in the environment that our immune system is supposed to uh, protect us from, and because it no longer has that role, mm. it uh, responds in, for lack of a better way to describe it, a crazy way, and and that's one hypothesis for sure. And there's been lots of studies on that, um, more so with asthma. But also there's um, concerns about how foods are manufactured and how we eat. You know, we've changed the ways that we consume food for the last uh, century and just a number of factors like yeah. that that have all, it's, there's, I don't think there's going to be one answer ever once they do clarify more of this, but it's, it's all in the theoretical stages at this point. They really don't truly understand, but definitely the stats to show uh, the numbers are definitely growing. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting uh, topic, Nancy. I appreciate your help on this. And I think probably the most important thing to remember, you know, uh, as, as people that don't have an issue, is that there are a few people that have a real serious issue, whether it's food or scent. And we just really need to respect that in a workplace. And I think there's ways around this. We can't blow it off as something minor. It, it is for some people, but for others, it can mean life and death. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it, it can. And, and I mean, I've certainly had um, many close calls in, in our family with, with, uh, with allergies. We've had my daughter in emergency many, many times, despite being extremely careful.
you know, we, we are a very um, proactive, extremely uh, careful family and uh, always have been. But, but um, yeah, things can happen with both food allergies and, and scents for sure, the, the scents or, or other chemicals too in, in an environment can impact people in a variety of different ways and it can also, it can include being very serious, serious reactions. Nancy, nice chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hal, for having me. It, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Nancy Bonney, she is, I'm going to try it one more time. She is the coordinator of Manitoba Anaphylaxis Information Network. Yay, Hal! Woo-hoo! Yeah! Go Jets, go! <laughs> 147, we'll take a quick break and come back. Your chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza is next. Hal Anderson on CJOB. All right, tough trivia time. Santa Lucia pizza, up for grabs. That's a heck of a prize. 204 Here's the question. Two-thirds of men save these. Save what? Two-thirds of men save these. So that's a big majority. Save what? What do men save? Two-thirds of men. 204-780-780. 6868 for some Santa Lucia pizza. Gift certificate for Santa Lucia. Hello, CJOB, what's your guess? I would say it is socks. Not socks, no. Hello, CJOB. Coins? Not coins, no. Hello, CJOB. Uh, how about uh, beer bottles? Not beer bottles, no. Hi, have you got a guess? Something to do with beer bottles. No, somebody just said that. Nothing to do with beer or beer bottles. I can clear that up right now. Hello, CJOB. Beer or beer bottles. Mustache clippers or clippings? No, neither of those. Hi, CJOB. Hats. Hats, did you say? Yes. Yeah, no, a lot of guys collect hats. You're right about that, yeah. Uh, now, we didn't say collect, we said save these. So it's not necessarily an item you might collect. It's something they save. Hi, have you got a guess? They're old sports gear. Old sports gear. Good guess, but not what we're looking for. Hi, CJOB. Hi, uh, ticket stubs. Not ticket stubs. No. Hi, have you got a guess? Uh, old letters. Old letters. No, it's not old letters, but I will say this it is an office item. There's a hint for you. Office item. Two-thirds of men save these, and it's an office item for Santa Lucia Pizza. Tough trivia. 204-780-6868. Hi, have you got a guess? Uh, they say paper clips. Paper clips. Good guess, but not paper clips. No. Hi. Oh, paper clips. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Yeah, somebody just said that. Sorry. Hi, have you got a guess? Uh, how about pens? Pens. No, not pens. Hello, CJOB. Hi, memos. No, not memos. Hello, CJOB. Nobody there. 204-780-6868. Hi. Hi, I was going to say pens. Not pens. No, not Thank pens. You. you want to take a second guess? You want to take a stab at something else? You got a, another possible answer? Uh, Pencils? 
Not pencils. No. Uh-uh. Hi, CJOB. Hi. What's your guess? Uh, business cards. Uh, not business cards. No. Uh, th- these are used. Uh, these are used to hold things in place. Hello. All right. Maybe my hint made it worse for that person. They hung up. Hi, CJOB. Receipts. Not receipts. No. The answer is this thing holds stuff in place. Hi. Thumbtacks. Not thumbtacks. Good guess though. Hi. Hi. Quickly answer. Rubber bands. Rubber bands. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What is your name? Um, Dennis. Dennis. You seemed unsure about your name. That's okay if you're giving me a fake name. I'm fine with that. I I just woke up and I heard your show. Yeah, that's okay. Hey, uh, yeah, two-thirds of men. Actually, it's according to the book, when it comes to guys, what's normal, two-thirds of men save rubber bands. You won some Santa Lucia pizza. Good for you. Okay, thank you. Excellent. I'll put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get you all signed up for your prize. We're going to take a break here. Uh, Global News at 2 o'clock next on CJOB. Just look at this roster. Now nobody wants to play us no more. They want it easy. They're chopped liver. But if you want a piece, this is what we'll give you. A whole lot of speed mixed with some hard hitters. Ah, yes. The Winnipeg Jets and the Wild tonight at Bell MTS Place. And joining us now to chat about the betting part of this, because I guarantee you there's a bit of betting going on over this game and this series and all the other games and all the other series. Angie Gill is on the phone from playnow.com. Hi, Angie. Hi, Hal. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I wanted to get you on and and find out what Jets fans are uh, telling you through their wagering. Now, I imagine if they're a Jets fan, they're going to, I guess maybe not always, but most of them, I imagine, are picking the Jets, right? Uh, yeah, that is uh, that is definitely the case. The Jets are not only favored to win tonight's game, but they're also favored to win the series on PlayNow.com. And what that means is a $10 bet on the Jets would return $14.40, while a $10 bet on the Wild would return $26. And no surprise there. I mean, the Jets obviously are favored in this. We ended up second in the league and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm curious to know what kind of numbers have you got as far as Winnipeggers or Manitobans wager on their team. Well, it is an exciting time to be a hockey fan in Winnipeg right now. There's no doubt about that. And so far, leading up to tonight's game, we've had lots of exciting action take place on playnow.com. Approximately, actually over 400 bets have been placed by Manitobans on their hometown team to deliver Lord Stanley's Cup to Portage and Maine at the end of the season. And any kind of a total uh, for how much they've wagered or, or do you have that kind of information in front of you? Yeah, definitely. We are just over 13,000 right now, and that number will increase as we see the Jets progress through the series. All right, I'll do the math on that after we're done talking and figure out how much they're betting on average. What are some other questions that we can bet on at playnow.com now that the playoffs are here? Playnow.com is offering a number of bets in relation to the Jets' playoff run, including will the Winnipeg Jets go all the way to win the Stanley Cup? Will the Jets win the Western Conference? Will they win their series against the Minnesota Wild? And how many games will the Jets and the Wild series run? And based on the betting so far, can you give us any answers to those questions or not yet? 
Yeah, we've got, um, well, the Jets, as you know, are in the same division as the Nashville Predators. And right now, the Nashville Predators on PlayNow.com are the favorite to outright win the Stanley Cup. Mm. Um, and that means that a $10 bet on the Predators would return $57 at 47 to 10 odds. And in contrast, a $10 bet on the Jets to win the Stanley Cup would return $72.50 at 25 to 4 odds. Wow. So, yeah, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, if we end up meeting Nashville in the second round, that that that's going to be our toughest series if you're a Jets fan. So that doesn't uh, doesn't really surprise me. Any other interesting tidbits you can share with us before I let you go? Yeah, this is actually not just an exciting time for Winnipeggers, but it's also an exciting time for Canadians as we've got two teams, two Canadian teams that made it to the Stanley Cup playoff run this year. And some of the special prop bets that we're offering on that is, will a Canadian team make it to the Stanley Cup finals? Will a Canadian team go on to actually win the Stanley Cup final? And then another interesting one that we have is that as there's seven teams competing in the Stanley Cup finals this year that have yet, yet to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup, will any of them have a chance to take home the cup this year? And I'll ask the same question again. Any answer? from the wagering so far? Um, well, as I mentioned, the Nashville Predators are definitely the favorites to go on and the, win the uh, Stanley yeah, Cup. I guess the one I was thinking of was the Canadian team. Which did, 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 Was the question, which Canadian team do you think might win it all? Yeah, so we, there's only two choices. There is obviously the Winnipeg Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs, yep. and the Winnipeg Jets are definitely the favorite. Although Perfect. On PlayNow.com, although it is two different conferences. Sure, yeah. No, I understand that, yeah. All right. Well, listen, Angie, thanks a lot for uh, telling us. Uh, this sort of stuff interests me whenever there's a big event going on, and I appreciate you telling us about it. No worries. Have a great day, Hal. Excellent. Thanks a lot. That is Angie Gill from PlayNow.com, if you're going to be uh, doing some wagering. Let's take a break. 208. Hal Anderson on CJOB. All right, let's talk a little Jets, shall we? Jets and Wild tonight. We just heard about the wagering, but I wanted to share with you if you missed Mackling and McGarry this morning, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you missing that show? It's great. Mackling and McGarry, MM. Weekday mornings here on CJOB, 6 to 10. They had a couple of great guests on today. They had on Dave Ellett. And they had on Chris King. I'll start the conversation here by playing that infamous Dave Ellett goal in overtime against the Oilers 28 years ago yesterday, in fact. And the goal gave the Jets the win, and they went up 3-1 on the Oilers. Take a listen. The Jets so far tonight have not clicked on the power play. They're 0 for 7. Would you have called a penalty shot? Steen almost had a breakaway. Ellett lets it go. And I'll turn the cheering down because the cheering just went on and on and on. They were talking this morning about, you know, like 10, 12 minutes of cheering. It was a big deal. It was a big goal uh, from Dave Ellett 28 years ago yesterday, putting the Jets ahead of the Oilers 3-1 in the playoffs. Big overtime goal by Dave Ellett. And I want to play here for you now a couple of clips of Dave Ellett on with Mackling and McGarry this morning. Uh, Dave was talking to the boys about being superstitious this morning. Well, it was always kind of you timed when, or I did. A lot of guys were the same. You you always taped your stick the same way, and you always timed when you started to get dressed. And you know, you watched the clock. Okay, now I can lace up my skates. And guys went out in a certain order for, but you know, when you went out on the ice uh, for warm up and for. Uh, 
the start of each period. So we certainly had, we won't call them uh, superstitions, we'll call them routines. To be quite honest with you, you sort of saw what other guys did. You didn't never really talked about, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. But you just sort of did your thing and no one interfered with everyone. And, you know, if you lost, maybe you switched something up. Okay, you go first this time. I'll go behind you and little things like that. Dave Ellett this morning with Mackling and McGarry. And uh, he told the boys that he has fond memories of his time here in Winnipeg. Well, we loved it here. I was actually at an event in Calgary this past weekend with Tim Waters, and we were talking. I think at one time there was uh, 12 to 14 of us that actually lived here year-round, had homes here, stayed here the summer, and became a part of the community in the province. It was Great place to live and play. Nice of Dave Ellett to drop by and hang out this morning with Mackling and McGarry. I think he's teamed up with Budweiser. He's he's at the pint tonight, anyhow. I think he's there at 4, 4.30. Kind of when things get going down there, if you want to go and see Dave Ellett at the pint with Budweiser tonight. Before I play these uh, Chris King clips from Mackling and McGarry this morning, I want to read a text message I got here uh, from somebody who just drove in from Brandon. Hal just drove in from the Wheat City for the game tonight. This town needs to get into it. We didn't see one flag or good wishes or any business windows. Nothing, Hal. You should drive to Saskatchewan when the Riders are in the playoffs. Their city is green. Come on, Winnipeg. Let's show we stand with them. Get a Jets flag. I don't know. I think we're into it. But uh, that's an observation from somebody out in Brandon. Just thought I'd share that with you. 204 780 6868. All right, here is Chris King from Mackling and McGarry this morning. He told a, a great story about how he found out he was coming to Winnipeg with Ty Domi in a trade. Listen. It's a used line that uh, that I, I tend to use a lot. Ty doesn't like it because generally when I use it, I get a text right back saying it was the other way around. But I remember that morning. There was word around New York with the Rangers that they were going to make some changes. And, and uh, Ty and I had sat out against Boston, believe it or not, in an afternoon game on, in MSG, which generally never happened in the four years we were there together. Uh, the next day we came to the rink, uh, Roger Nielsen pulled me into his office and said, listen, I've got bad news and really bad news for you. And I said, well, what's the bad news? He said, you're going to Winnipeg. And I said, oh, my goodness, what could be worse than that? What's the really bad news? He said, Ty's going with you. <laughs> so, uh, but that bad news quickly turned into great news for me personally and my family. It didn't take very long once we arrived in uh, in Winnipeg to uh, realize that uh, I had really found a home and, and uh, my my career took off from there. And our team became what really was a team. And, and we had... Uh, we had some great times in Winnipeg, both on the ice and off the ice, and, and it's a place that's very dear to both me and, and my family still. I said this earlier, but Chris King was always so nice to me. I was just a kid starting out, you know, probably um, you know, probably doing radio on, on a station in a city that I didn't deserve to be on yet. Right? I was really green, and he was always just really nice to me. If he saw me at the grocery store, he came over, and he had, you know, uh, which was really cool. Really nice guy. He goes on to tell the boys this morning, Mackling and McGarry, that he eventually, of course, became very glad that he came to Winnipeg and became a Jet. You know what? There was a really good group of players in that room. And, of course, you know, you don't have to look any farther than Timo and Ty. I'm sorry, not I hate putting Ty in that category. Timo and uh, 
and Keith and, and Zamnoff, arguably the three best young players in the game playing on the same line, they just needed a little more room. And I think that's what Mike Smith was thinking when he made that deal. And, and uh, we came in at a good time where they were starting to starting to gel. And with, you know, Dean Kennedy, Dave Mance, and some of the other guys that were there, uh, we just added to a, a team that uh, got close awful quick. And those guys just took off from there. And watching Timo play the way he did every night, it was pretty special. And uh, you're right, we, we went on a run and, and got ourselves from uh, down into a playoff spot and, and uh, battled. Uh, you know, we ended up playing Detroit in that first round, which was tough. I think they had 50-some points more than us, but we gave them everything we, uh, they could handle. And uh, it was uh, – it was a memorable playoffs for me, for sure. Chris King on Eminem this morning, but he did say that his last season as a Jet, the last year for the Jets in Winnipeg, was, yes, rough. Well, that whole year was tough. And, and, and you know, you, you'll go into different markets in and around the league, and they didn't ask how, how your team was doing and, you know, how, how, uh, how, how you're going to win this game or what you needed to do to win that night. It was, what's it like playing on a team that – knows leaving you know they i hated the term lame duck team but that was the questions we got everywhere we went and it was really important for us as a group to keep that outside of our room we we knew we were going uh, our fans knew we were going and and uh, and it was tough and we went through it together but we decided early in that season that last season that we were going to do everything we could to make it memorable for us as players and also for our fans and and again we uh we, we, we had a pretty good year. You know, Javi Bullen was incredible that year. And, and even though we, we uh, had 78 points and, and ended, like I said, ended up playing Detroit, we, we battled hard for everything that, uh, that, that we got. Gee, we, I, we had such a revolving door in that locker room. I think we had over 40 different guys play for our team that year. But it didn't matter who was in the lineup. We played hard. And we knew that that playoff series was going hopefully not be our last, but we knew realistically we were playing a really good Detroit team and that we would have to uh, really do some wonderful things to upset them. But we gave them everything, everything we could. And, and uh, you know, ending up losing four to two in that series was, was tough, but it was, it, it was memorable for us. It was memorable for our fans. Chris King, or as uh, Greg Mackling said this morning, Kinger, <laughs> Chris King, good guy. And uh, now an executive at the NHL. Kind of cool. Um, speaking of that last season and the farewell, I ran, aclo- uh, ran across a clip uh, today that uh, I'll play at this point as we uh, as we talk Jets. Take a listen to this. Don Cherry. I want to thank you so much for all the sea of white, how good you've treated all us at Hockey Night in Canada. And they might have taken your franchise, but they haven't taken your heart and soul. You're the greatest. Thanks very much. There is Don Cherry, and of course Bob Irving was sort of the MC of that farewell. If you go to YouTube, you can watch all those old videos. And it, we thought it was that was it, right? We thought, hey, done. We'll never, uh, you know, see a team here again. And now, look where we are at now. Incredible, it really is. Hey, uh, Kelly Moore, uh, continuing to talk about the game tonight. Now, let me focus back to the game tonight. Kelly Moore shared with me a pretty funny clip here. Bruce Boudreau. Talking about the wild, his wild being the underdog. Listen. Well, you'd have to be blind not to see it, uh, especially on Canadian TV everywhere. But uh, um, I'm sure we know where Winnipeg stands, and rightfully so. They what won nine out of ten. They were the second 
second overall in the league, and I can see why teams are picking them all. But, uh, you know, we're here. We're going to play the game. We're glad we're invited to play, you know. So we'll give it our best shot. <laughs> and I've got just enough time to play this. We are a couple hours away from things getting going with the big whiteout street party. Global News reporter Christian O'Mell. want to watch game one between the Jets and Wild. You want to be part of the whiteout, so log on to Ticketmaster and... All gone. What about StubHub? Oh, jeez. I work in radio. I can't afford that. But say you still want to get super close to the action, like scrape the walls of the arena, but not inside close. Well, there's the whiteout street party on Donald Street. Conditions won't be amazing. It's expected to be around zero degrees for game time. Welcome to Winnipeg. But the whole thing is a little new for the city. So Constable Tammy Scrabeck admitted they're not exactly sure how many people will show up. You know what? We have no idea. We're really going to have to play it by ear. We're hoping that Wednesday we have a decent turnout of people. Naturally, we would expect on Friday to see a somewhat larger crowd. But, you know, in terms of numbers, uh, we're just hoping people do come out and enjoy the festivities regardless of the weather. Kevin Donnelly with True North has a pretty optimistic outlook. We're looking into the crystal ball and, and you know, we're hoping for, I'd like to see five to 10,000 people over the course of the, this game on Friday. But we'll see what happens. The weather is a big factor in it. And it it'll, it'll force people to make the decisions that they're going to make. And if they want to go inside and celebrate, with friends elsewhere, that's totally fine. If you do decide to come down, Donnelly says things will start around 4.30, 5 o'clock with food trucks, entertainment, beer and hot chocolate with two screens to watch the game on, so bring a lawn chair. Donnelly understands that the 6 p.m. start time for game one isn't super convenient. Certainly the 6 p.m. start time is earlier than we might have had we planned it ourselves. We're, you know, we're subject to the broadcaster's decisions on that, so uh, we'll be ready for it. The screens will be on and the, uh, the hot dogs and the beer and the hot chocolate will be available. So we're just telling people to come down when they can. Again, be mindful of the traffic and the parking co uh, concerns in the area. Bring your own lawn chair and, and we're hoping that we'll fill the space up and then we'll, you know, if we need more space, we'll plan for that for Friday. A criticism I heard when this idea was announced was that it's just too cramped in a spot with not a lot of parking, but Donnelly isn't really too worried. There's still lots of parking in the downtown area. You know, Winnipeg Square's got ample spots that never fill up. I mean, the lots in the immediate proximity will obviously fill up. They do for every jet game anyway. But, uh, you know, just plan accordingly, and you might have to walk a couple blocks, but uh, I don't think it'll be it'll be an onerous issue. True North will have some security on site as well as police who don't have any numbers on how much this will cost for them to police and how many officers will be needed. Admission, though, is free, plus whatever you have to pay for parking and the food you buy if you want beer. It's still cheaper than the, let's take a look online here. $224 American you'll pay for one seat in Section 329 right now. Eh, maybe I'll just stay outside. Christian O'Mell, Global News. Thank you, Christian. And uh, for that texter from Brandon who said we haven't got enough flags and all that stuff up, I did get a text from somebody else saying that all the car dealers apparently on Regent have put all their white cars and trucks, all their white vehicles in the front row. That's kind of cool. like that idea. 226, we'll take a quick break. Then Tristan Field-Jones and Global News at 2.30. It's Hal Anderson at CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. All right, we're going to uh, talk dodgeball here in a bit. The big nationals, national uh, tournament and tryouts happening this weekend in Winnipeg. We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. Let's talk a little U.S. politics here, shall we? Uh, this was uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook 
on Capitol Hill yesterday testifying about Facebook. It's clear now that we didn't do enough to prevent these tools from being used for harm as well. And that goes for fake news, for foreign interference in elections and hate speech, as well as developers and data privacy. We didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility, and that was a big mistake. And it was my mistake, and I'm sorry. I started Facebook, I run it, and I'm responsible for what happens here. All right, so that was Zuckerberg yesterday. Today, he says he expects to see government regulation of social media. Listen. Government regulation is coming to social media, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg concedes. I think that it is inevitable that there will need to be some regulation. So my position is not that there should be no regulation, but I also think that you have to be careful about what regulation you put in place. He made the comment in testimony to the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Zuckerberg says regulations should be drawn so that large companies like his aren't the only ones with the resources to comply. It was a second day of congressional grilling for the Facebook CEO, who faced a wide array of brickbats about its privacy policies and said in answer to one question that his own data was among user information improperly shared. I'm Warren Levinson. Kind of a funny uh, part of the uh, testimony yesterday where one of the senators said, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, would you please share with us what hotel you stayed in last night? <laughs> he wouldn't, he's like, uh, sort of making the point that, you know, you don't want your personal information shared, right? Uh, if we have time later on, I'll play some highlights from the late night talk show host because, of course, they had a heyday with Zuckerberg testifying on Capitol Hill. Uh, Paul Ryan, sticking with U.S. politics here, Paul Ryan has announced that he will not seek re-election. He cites family concerns. That's what uh, caused him to make this decision. He says he'll serve out his term and retire in January. Of course, uh, Paul Ryan, the House Speaker, but uh, he wants uh, he wants time with his family. But some observers think he wants out after conflicts with President Donald Trump. Uh, Who knows what the real story there is. And speaking of Donald Trump, a lot of talk about him maybe uh, firing this uh, uh, special uh, investigator, Mueller. Here's what he had to say about that when reporters asked him. Why don't I just fire Mueller? Well, I think it's a disgrace what's going on. We'll see what happens. But I think it's really a sad situation when you look at what happened. And many people have said you should fire him. Uh, Again, they found nothing. And in finding nothing, uh, that's a big statement. If you know the person who's in charge of the investigation, uh, you know all about that. Uh, Deputy Rosenstein, Rod Rosenstein, he wrote the letter very critical of Comey. One of the things I said, I fired Comey. Well, I turned out to do the right thing because you look at all of the things that he's done and the lies, and you look at what's gone on at the FBI with the insurance policy and all of the things that happened. Turned out I did the right thing. Uh, But he signed, as you know, he also signed the FISA warrant. So Rod Rosenstein, who's in charge of this, signed a FISA warrant, and he also He also signed a letter that was essentially saying to fire James Comey. And he was right about that. He was absolutely right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's uh, disgraceful, and so does a lot of other people. This is a pure and simple witch hunt. A witch hunt, he says. I don't... 
I don't know what he's going to do. I really don't. I was I was about to say, I don't think he's going to fire Mueller or or the assistant uh, assistant attorney general. But who knows? I kind of here's what I said to Jeff Creer. I can't remember if I said this to Jeff on the air or if I said it to him off the air. But I kind of feel like this is going to be it for Trump. This is he's going to be a one term president. I don't think he expected to get the job. I don't think he likes the job. And I think when all is said and done, he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. And when this term is done, he's done. That's what I kind of think is going to happen. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, we uh, I, I want to thank a listener. Right? Uh, let me see if I have the person's name. Noreen, I think. Yeah, Noreen. Uh, she sent me a note on this. I'll just read the note. Hal, we heard of the Humboldt Broncos tragedy early Saturday morning as I was dropping off my grade 12 daughter at school to prepare for a music tour bus trip to Banff for the Banff Music Festival. We live in uh, Rossern to visit and perform with the private school there. Um, no, I, that, that's a mis- there's a mistake there in the typing. Sorry. Uh, please check out the beautiful song that uh, the combined choir sang in dedication as a tribute to the families and the injured Broncos on the Facebook page. So I went to the Facebook page for Westgate Mennonite Collegiate. And Noreen's daughter's in the fourth row, and they did a real nice job. As we head to a break here, 239 at CJOB, Westgate Mennonite Collegiate Choir paying tribute to the Humboldt Broncos. We'll be right back. to learn the five D's of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. If you master the five D's, no amount of balls on earth can hit you. Dodgeball, the uh, national trial and tourney will be held this weekend right here in Winnipeg over at the Duckworth Center. And Dwayne Wasinski is Dodgeball Canada's president and he joins us on the phone now Dwayne, thank you for doing this thank you very much for having me yeah so it starts on friday and it is the national dodgeball tryout and tourney so there's sort of two parts to this explain that's right so we have uh for the last three years we've run a national championship uh this year of course in winnipeg uh last year we were in halifax we do a combined uh event where we have a national championship from teams from all across canada uh, this year, I think we have eight provinces represented, and uh, we also use the event as our national selection uh, platform for the national teams. So how does that work then? The best players sort of make the national team? 
Correct. So what we do is is the tournament uh, unfolds as a championship. So there's a round robin for all the teams in attendance, uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. And during that weekend process, um, there are provincial representatives from across the country who basically scout and watch the, the, the teams. And then at the, at the conclusion of the tournament, we will assemble as a committee and we will um, go through our lists of, of identified players and we will land on, on teams for the men and the women. And you've got three big days of play uh, starting Friday, continuing Saturday and Sunday at the Duckworth Centre. It sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. We, we actually, um, you know, last year, we, like I said, we were in Halifax last year. It was a great event, Toronto the year before. Uh, the community really comes together for this. Uh, one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that we've experienced in Canada, of course, is having this massive geography, and it's very difficult for us to get together. And because of that, uh, the Nationals becomes our one event where people will uh, travel from all parts and, and the community comes together as a whole. So there's always a lot of excitement around Nationals. And, and part of it, of course, is is the winning. Part of it is trying to make the team but the biggest part is just getting the community in one spot. Well, and Winnipeg, really over the past several years, has been a real hotbed for dodgeball. Why is that? Um, well, the community in Winnipeg is, you're, you're totally right. It's a very, very strong community, and it, it's always been a strong community. Um, and, and I can't really exactly say why that is, but we, we certainly have noticed that throughout Canada there are pockets um, that really have seemed to take into the sport. And a lot of it, of course, like any sport, becomes... Uh, word of mouth and and you know pulling in your friends and once it starts to steamroll it builds momentum so in some cities where dodgeball is relatively new you might have a small league you might have maybe 50 100 people who play um, but provided that league is well run and it's extremely well run in in, in Winnipeg um, with a lot of, of of core support of people who come back year after year uh, then those people kind of steamroll they get their friends they get their buddies at work to come and try it uh, and when they do they're hooked because it really is uh, a, a lot of fun. Hey, Dwayne, I've got to ask you, how do you become the president of Dodgeball Canada? Are you a player? How do you get that title? <laughs> how do you get that title? Well, uh, I started playing probably about 10 years ago. Uh, so I've been playing for a long time. But um, what happened was, you know, while we had, a, I, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, and, and we had a strong league in Edmonton. We have a really good community here. Um, and what happened was after a while, we began to feel like, you know, we've got all these strong communities. Communities We knew about the community in Winnipeg. I mean, it's massive in Ontario, southern Ontario, lots of dodgeball players. And the idea was, uh, how do we get these people together? So in 2015, we decided that we would uh, try to form a national sports organization that was a governing body for dodgeball, just like there is for curling, for hockey, for, you know, taekwondo and everything else. And uh, as we pulled together the people who wanted to do this, um, I happened to have some governance experience because I had done some work in track and field. So I was kind of the default person to, to, to take the lead on that. And then over time, here we are. Cool. Well, you know, I uh, one time several years ago interviewed somebody here in Winnipeg about a dodgeball tournament. And I, I compared it or, or made reference to the dodgeball movie that, of course, everybody knows. And he was genuinely offended that I compared <laughs> what he was doing to this silly movie. Is it anything at all like the movie? Is it as competitive as the movie? Are the teams as, as diehard as the movie? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, uh, the movie is kind of a double-edged sword. Like, first of all, to answer your question, I mean, there are similarities. And, and, and you know, people are going to kind of balk at that a bit but of course there are i mean in the sense that you know people do get excited about it yes yeah. they wear full kits and uniforms like they right. would in soccer or volleyball um the movie's a bit of a double-edged sword in the sense that 
it, it has increased some popularity and awareness of the sport. People do know it. They have a reference point. Um, a lot of league owners might not like that idea, but the truth is after the movie came out, there were a lot of people saying, hey, we should do that. We should play. Mm. Now, uh, having said that, when you get to this level at nationals, then no, it's not like the movie because it's a lot different. There's more strategy and people do take it extremely seriously. Um, but it would be like watching, you know, the Bad News Bears and saying that's baseball or Slapshot and saying that's hockey. I mean, it, it is to a degree. And there's lots of people who play that way. and There's certainly nothing wrong with it. But you do get to a level where it becomes a lot more serious and competitive. Sure. Hey, you mentioned strategy. Um, I kind of smiled when you said strategy and dodgeball in the same sentence. But I guess like any other sport, sure, there's strategy. Talk strategy a bit with me. Sure. Um, so in do- in uh, in dodgeball, when you play at this level, uh, the the game tends to slow down a bit. So you play six balls aside. Um, you know, in in the foam game, in the game that we play, it's not like playing in a gym with rubber balls where you know if I throw the ball past you, it hits the wall, it bounces back to me. In foam, when I throw the ball, it it, it will die on the other side, and it becomes the other team's ball. So all of a sudden, you have to figure out. Um, what's our best strategy? If, if I've got all the balls on our side and you don't have any on your side, do we throw all, all our balls and try to hit two of you? Do we keep some side? Do we hold them back? If you're a really good player, do we throw three at you at one time or two? Do, do we fake on you a couple of times and then maybe throw at someone else? I mean, those sound like small things, but you know, you can think of it in, in, in basketball with how you run certain plays like basketball is a very free flowing game. And when you're running a fast break, like a, the old Phoenix Suns in the Steve Nash days, the, the game is going to flow and move at a rapid pace. But if you, you know, uh, two minutes left in the game, you might slow it down. You might go to a half court formation, start running your specific plays. And that's kind of what dodgeball is like. There's a lot of free movement. There's a lot going on at once, but when the chips are down, you've got to slow the game down and figure out, okay, how am I going to use, both the clock and what I've got in my hands to our advantage in this, in these last few minutes. Sure. Hey, um, I think the days are pretty much eight 30 in the morning to eight 30 at night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Duckworth center. If people want to go and check it out, where can they get tickets? Can they get tickets at the door? Um, you can get tickets at the door. Yes. Uh, you can also contact dodgeball Winnipeg or dodgeball Manitoba online, um, to see where you could get tickets. Um, I think during the Friday and Saturday round Robin, we are playing in a facility. The structure will have five courts going on at once, so I don't think there's there's any seating room there. But there is for the final, for the for the semifinals and the medal games, and uh, they're really worth checking out. Canada's got a really strong international program for dodgeball, and what you'll end up seeing in the finals is many of those athletes who've been playing internationally for years um, and have won you know bronze, gold, and silvers over the years uh, internationally. So it's, it's worth checking out in the finals for sure. Dwayne, good luck with it, and thanks for telling us about it. Thank you so much for having me. Dwayne Wasinski is the president of Dodgeball Canada, and again, it's uh, all this weekend at the Duckworth Centre, the national trial and tourney. If you're a Dodgeball fan, or even if you're not a Dodgeball fan, go and check it out. Sounds like it would be uh, a lot of fun. And if it's even close to the movie, uh, you'll have a blast. I played a clip of the movie um, just before that interview, here, here's another one. They've got this old, he, he's sort of their coach and mentor trying to teach this team how to play, how to play dodgeball. Here's another clip from the movie. That's what this sack of wrenches is for. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? Oh! oh. Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> using wrenches. Silly. Stupid. Uh, by the way, I mentioned all the car dealerships on Region. Apparently, you put all their uh, white vehicles out front. I got a text message here saying, Hal, same thing for the Ford dealer on Portage in the West End. And Kendall says, Al, every fire truck I've seen so far has a huge jet flag strapped to the back of it. So to that texter from Brandon who doesn't think we're excited enough, we're excited. We're excited. It's going to be a great game tonight. And uh, about 4.30 is when things get going on Donald there between Portage and Graham. We haven't talked too much today about the tragedy in Saskatchewan involving the humble Broncos. I just, I did see this story and I thought this was uh, sort of cool. NHL superstar Sidney Crosby is showing his heartfelt support for that community, Humboldt in Saskatchewan. Um, he has had the Pittsburgh Penguins equipment manager create a special jersey and every player on the team has autographed the number on the back. It's apparently en route to Humboldt now, along with signed personalized photos from the hockey great. And apparently the photos read, stay strong, we're thinking of you. From Sid Crosby to the survivors recovering in hospital. So there you go. And I also wanted to mention that apparently... According to Mark, by tax 204-780-6868, Chris Jericho is in town for the playoffs and is wandering around Bell MTS Place, according to Mark, and telling everybody that he wants to be referred to as Y2Jets. Right? Y2J? No, no, no. Y2Jets. So if you see Chris Jericho, you got to call him Y2Jets. All right, make sure you do that. Quickly, birthdays. Ethel Kennedy, widow of Senator Robert F. Kennedy, is 90 today. Louise Lasser, she was Mary Hartman on that old TV show. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, remember that? She's 79 today. Uh, Peter Reigert, he was Boone on Animal House, the old movie, 71 today. Carl Franklin Crane, Captain Crane on the A-Team on TV 69 years old today. Nigel Pulsford from Bush is 57. And Joss Stone, she's a great singer, is 31 today. Maybe that's how we'll end the show today. A bit of Joss Stone. But there you go. Celebrity birthdays for today. 2.56, Global News at 3 o'clock. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Of course, text 780-6868. And he's always waiting by the phone. So you can call Hal Anderson at that number too. Ah, you all know that song, right? The Muppets, you know? The two guys up in the the balcony, yeah? Global News television anchor Lauren McNabb joins us on the phone now, and uh, you're going to have more on this on uh, the news tonight at 6 on television, Lauren, but you were talking today with Jets fans who dress up like Muppets? Oh, that's right. And how honestly, I just spent the funniest 30 minutes I have perhaps <laughs> in a long time. These two, I mean, they get into character, but they, I think, just sort of live these characters. The two we're talking about from the Muppets are Statler and Waldorf. They're sort of the curmudgeons. 
the critics of yeah. everything that was on that show. Right. You know, a, a little bit bitter, a little bit uh, making fun of each other. And the two guys I just talked to, uh, they say a couple of years ago they were at work, and someone came up to them and said, you two are just like the characters from the Muppets, uh, Waldorf and Statler. And instead <laughs> of being, you know, like insulted by it, yeah. these two took it as a great compliment. They embraced and it. And went out. They did. They said yes. Thank you very much. We are like those two. And they <laughs> went out. They bought some masks online. And whenever they get a chance to go to the game, they put those masks on and they wear them the entire time. And they only, when they go, they only get tickets when they can to those seats right behind the opposition, behind the visitor's box, so that they can sit there and just sort of stare with those disapproving <laughs> glares at the coach or the other team and sort of give them a bit of a what for. It's, it's hilarious. And they're, they're in costume right now heading down to the street party. Uh, will they be in their seats in the arena tonight, or will they just be at the street party? Well, they'd like me to put a shout-out that if anyone wants to help them get into those seats, they would be there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> tonight, so anyway, they're, yeah. they're just at the street party tonight, Hal. But, um, no, they're really it's really something else to sort of show the spirit these two have embraced. Yeah. And they've gone to San Jose games, they've gone to Vancouver, and they wear those masks all the time, which is a commitment because, A, you can't, they can't hear each other in those masks huh. can't drink when you're wearing those masks That's true, I guess, yeah. and they will not take them off so when they put them on you know that the you know serious times right yeah excellent well we'll be watching television at six o'clock tonight to see what they look like loren i know this is a busy time for you thanks a lot for a few minutes i appreciate it lots of fun for me thanks hal all right that is loren McNabb, global news television anchor six o'clock tonight she'll be with the muppets and they'll be at the street party tonight uh, by the way, we had this texter uh, text in from, he just got in from Brandon, and he's going, where are all the signs? Where, you know, where is everything? Now everybody is uh, pointing stuff out. For example, both Karen and Noreen texted to say that all of our transit buses say, go Jets, go on their signs, and all the drivers are wearing jerseys today. Uh, and if you missed it earlier, we were talking about how the car dealers are putting all their white cars out at the front. So as you drive down Portage and Regent, you can see the white cars because we are now just over an hour away from the beginning of a whiteout. A whiteout will begin around 4.30. That's when they'll have the hot chocolate truck and the, you can get the jet dog and uh, take your lawn chair. Donald from Portage. To Graham is blocked off for the big White Oak Street Party. If you're lucky enough to have tickets to get in, great, fantastic. Or I've had a few people text and email and called today saying, love to be there, Hal, but the beer's cheaper at home. And that's okay. That's okay if that's your plan. If you want to sit at home and enjoy some beer for less money, that's fine too. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, today in history, bunch of stuff from Today in History. I mentioned earlier that it is Barbershop Quartet Day. It's 8-track tape day. Somebody's trying to tell me that if you've got the proper Pink Floyd 8-track, it's worth like seven, 800 bucks. It's International Louie Louie Day, Bookmobile Day today, Bookmobile Day, uh, Pet Day, Submarine Day, Teach Children to Save Day, and World Parkinson's Disease Day today. Uh, on this day in history, April 11th in 1906, Albert Einstein introduced his theory of relativity. 1970, Apollo 13 blasts off on its ill-fated mission to the moon. 
1970, Peter Green announced that he is leaving Fleetwood Mac. We were just talking about Fleetwood Mac yesterday. Peter Green left in 1970 to follow his religious beliefs. Paul McCartney on this uh, Paul McCartney on this day in 1970 announced that he was taking a temporary break from the Beatles. I don't normally mention uh, marriages, weddings, and stuff, but I will mention this one. 1981, Eddie Van Halen married Valerie Bertinelli. Always liked Valerie Bertinelli. Uh, 1981, this song right here peaked at number one. Hall and Oates, Kiss on My List. In 81, peaked at number one. I did not know that Winnie the Pooh has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but he does. And he got it on this day in 2006. All right, to a break. We'll check traffic and weather coming up here. This is Hall and Oates on CJOB. Thanks for all the uh, text messages today at 204-780-6868 and the emails. I guess you're not in a in a mood to chat at all, but you can always call that number, 204-780-6868. We can have a discussion. Maybe people are all getting ready for the game, right, or making their way downtown for the Whiteout Street Party, which gets going in just over an hour from now. That's when things kind of get going. Game time, 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, checking your text messages here. Scott says, Hal... Uh, gas prices. Now, yesterday they were just under a buck twenty a liter, and now Scott is saying he just saw a price one twenty two nine. Wow! So gas prices uh, continue to rise. Keeping an eye on that. Thank you, Scott, for the heads up on that. And anything else on your mind? Two zero four seven eighty sixty eight sixty eight. Love to hear from you today or any other day for that matter. Hey, there's something uh, kind of new, and I thought this was interesting. And I think a lot of people would probably go for this. Um, do you? It seems like in every couple, there's one that uses their phone more, right? Or it seems like that's the way it is. A tour company, a new tour company called Off the Grid is offering cell phone free vacations. So if you travel with them, you're asked to put your phone away and not even use your phone to take photos. The founder is Zach Beatty, and here's what he says. 
When you're somewhere new, there's a lot to soak up, a lot to see, a lot of cool, interesting people to meet. Your phone can distract you. The tours are made up of small groups of up to 16 people, and they last from 7 to 10 days with an emphasis on unique experiences over standard sightseeing stops. Off the Grid isn't being super strict by banning people from having their phones all together. Instead, tour goers are given a pouch to put their phone in, and they state their plans, whether it's not using the phone at all or maybe checking social media just once or twice a day. Vacationers are also given a phone without internet access that has numbers for group leaders and other tours that can be used in case of emergencies to promote socializing. People can bring their regular cameras, but photographers are being hired for each tour, so you don't even have to worry about that. Their first trip, they haven't even done one yet. Their first trip is planned for July to Portugal. What do you think of that idea? 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. I'm thinking there would be some people out there that would be just fine with that. Going on a trip and you can't use your phone. Let's talk to Mike. Mike wants to talk about gas prices. Hi, Mike. What's up? Hey, Al. I just gassed up on Regent Avenue West there at, at the no-name gas station. All right. It's still eleven. A buck eleven there. Eh? Yeah, you got a point four. So you just got to shop around a bit. Yeah. Okay. Thanks yeah. a lot. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. And Cindy wants to talk jets. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Hal. It's Cindy from Delta. Hello, Cindy from Delta. How are you? I'm fine. Excellent. I wanted to talk to you. They wanted to know what I wanted to talk about, so I want, I'm going to talk to you about the Jets. Okay, good. And my husband is going on Friday night, and he's pretty excited because he didn't think he'd get to go. I'll bet, yeah. And are you guys uh, big Jets fans anyhow, or are you uh, kind of jumping on oh, the bandwagon like me? Oh, no. No, no. We're big Jets fans from way back with yeah. the old Jets and the new Jets. Now, does it bother you, Cindy, someone like me? I mean, I've always been a bit of a fan, but I'm not a big hockey guy. But I definitely am more excited. I'll I'll pay more attention to the game tonight. Uh, you know, uh, does that bother you, us, us Fairweather fans? Nope, not no. at all. Good. I think it's great. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Cindy, thanks for calling in. i got to get Bill on, and I've only got about 20 seconds here, but thanks for calling. No Hal, take care. All right, and Bill, Bill, yes, what do you want to say? Okay, well, I'm furious, Hal, and again, it's not OB, but I want to get the message across. I just learned, okay, tonight's Jets game, again, I'm not crying I can't afford, or, you know, to be at the game. I mean, that's good that folks are there and, yeah. and that, but again, I was looking forward to watching it on TV and figured, well, it'd be on CBC at 6 nope. o'clock. Mm-mm. No, it's on at the Pittsburgh Philadelphia game is ours right. is on Sportsnet. Sportsnet, no, Hal, it yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't affect me, but most a lot of people that are on the skinny cable packages mm-hmm. won't get it. Yeah. They can't. But tomorrow, if you lived in Toronto, it will be on CBC at yeah. 6 p.m. So but we're it, being discriminated, well, and we're the public broadcast. We're paying the public broadcaster. Yeah. Who needs them? I'll just and tell. Let me just say, Bill. I just want to clarify this for other people like you that might be catching on to this a bit late. Rogers has the rights. 
Rogers then Rogers then says, "Hey, we got all these games. Here's who's going to get them. CBC, you get this one. Sportsnet, you get this one. So if you want to be mad at anybody, I guess you got to be ra- mad at Rogers, not well, the CBC." Well, the thing is, uh, we understand, but Rogers, they, uh, it's a Canadian company, yep. shouldn't they? You'd think they'd want to promote Canada first. Now, again, I fully understand if no Canadian teams were there, I understand that. But there happens to be two Canadian teams yep. tonight. The Jets tomorrow, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and we get second. We're delegated way off into the boonies. Yeah, Bill, I'm, I'm, I, I have gone over time to the point where I've now been told we have to skip the weather forecast. We're going to go right to sports. So I got to let you go. Thank you, Bill. Hal Anderson on CJOB.